My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for The Sun. Something a little different this week due, some, some, uh, due to some scheduling issues. We'll explain that in a minute. Uh, but as I said, my name is Tom Chick, and today I am here with Christian M- Muesli. Uh, just refer to me as Liffy. <laughs> and with a The Sun tagline, perhaps, Kelly Wand? I'm not much of a joiner myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty subtle, Kat. Way more subtle than usual. It's because uh, so, it's a subtle film. Uh, I would agree with that. Uh, I'm upset, though, they took Mars out of the title. It should be called The Son of Mars. Cause a little topical John school. Carter reference from Kelly Wand. Very good. I'm glad we got that into the podcast. <laughs> Uh, Now, before we get into the movie, um, we're going to spoil it in a little bit. We've all three seen it. This is a 10-year-old movie. Dingus will tell you a little bit more about it in a second. Uh, But we uh, might be doing this kind of thing more often because as of this podcast, one of us is no longer in America even. Uh. So therefore, we will be limited by what we can see. And rather than seeing wide releases, sometimes we're going to pick out something older like this. Consider it it our, our service to you. Or a detraction, a lessening of content. That's another way to look at it. Uh, well, I will see. You know, if you feel that way about the sun, that's uh, a spoiler, and we'll get into it in a minute. Uh, <laughs> but so that's what's going on here. Is uh, this will be uh, every now and then we'll pick out an older movie like that, like this. That's the case this week. Um, the sun was on Netflix Instant Watch. You can rent it, of course. We hope you've seen it because as soon as Dingus gives us a, a brief little bit of information about it, we're going to spoil it. But before we do that, Dingus, why don't you tell folks what the heck went on this week? All right. Well, this week we saw the sun. Can you say that in French? Sure. Le son. Very good. You just Very said uh, you just said the sound in French. That was non-faked French. I'm sorry. <laughs> I meant to say, je te suis de la dessoir. Fishy French. That's Martin French. All right, this is a 2002 Belgian drama movie. I don't know what we're talking about with all this French, Tom. Um, and it's uh, it's a 2002 Belgian movie about... Um, you know what? One of the joys of this movie is watching it without knowing what's going on. And that's one of the things I loved about it is that I had no idea what was going on. So you're going to have to trust me on this. And that's all you're going to hear. Other than knowing that it was written and directed by Jean-Pierre Dardin and Luc Dardin. And it stars Olivier Gourmet, Morgan Marine, and Isabella Soupa. It is, ri- it is rated NR because it's Europe. <laughs> by the way, Kelly Wan, did you notice how Dingus had no trouble rising to the occasion of speaking French when it came to pr- pronouncing names? Oh, that was French. <laughs> Flemish, French. It's all the same. French. Uh, all right, so Kelly Wand, uh, let's, okay, <laughs> well, why don't you explain your eh in a second? Uh, uh, how about we spoil the movie for people by you That was what them, the eh was for. Right, right, uh, by giving them a synopsis. Now you go eh. Oh, <laughs> uh, eh, I didn't do one, really. Now tell us why you opted out of a synopsis for The Sun. Hmm, well said. <laughs> I, I agree 110%. Uh, 
that was an interesting way to put it. So it looks like Kelly Wan's microphone technology has opted out of uh, discussing the movie, just as Kelly Wan has opted out of a synopsis. Um, maybe the maybe the girl who's helping him pass anyway, the mic. <laughs> euphemisms. Now, how far back did you lose my genius? Uh, everything Sorry. after we lost everything after. Uh, <laughs> I talked for ten minutes, but nothing as good as Anna came after. That. Well, you know what? Then let's let. So, given that this movie may not lend itself to a synopsis, and we're going to be uh, have a fairly abbreviated podcast this week, uh, let me explain that this is a movie I saw a while ago, and I really liked, and I kind of casually mentioned, especially to Dingus, not so much Kelly Wand, because he and I kind of share a different. Different taste in movies, but that I what? really. Well, Kelly Wan, you and I talk about things like martyrs, for instance. That's a conversation yeah. I can't really have with Dingus. Dingus and I would talk about things like a separation and the sun more often. You know, I don't. When I see the sun, I don't think, oh, Kelly Wan needs to see this. I do think this is one of the many movies Kelly Wan should see, but I'm not going to come running to you to tell you to and see it like I would it. Human Centipede Two, for instance, which you I told me not to see. <laughs> And then said, no, I told you it was awesome. Or something so, so, but the point being that this was, I, I definitely wanted both of you to see this, but especially Dingus. So I'm happy to, to be able to take this podcast and, and, and for, press both of you into service to see it. So that said, um, I want one of you to go first and tell me what you thought of it. Before I do that, can I ask, yes. Yes. do you know how it came to be on your radar? Do you remember? No idea, actually. Uh, you know, it might even be something as vague as one of those Netflix recommendations. Like, Netflix seems to think, with all the crappy horror movies I watch, that I should see more, uh, I think, gritty, cerebral, foreign dramas that are dark. Like, I, <laughs> I, get, I get those a lot. It's, it's constantly wanting me to watch Ingmar Bergman movies, for instance. Are you uh, love Ingmar Bergman. I can't. I love one Ingmar Bergman movie, but I'm not sure I'm ready yet for another one. You know, Virgin Spring mm-hmm. is plenty for me. Maybe when I turn like in my mid fifties, I'll I'll tackle my second Ingmar Bergman movie. I'm not quite ready for another one yet. But for whatever reason, I think that might be what happened with the sun. Is it just burbled up? Um, and I yeah, I, I don't know where it came from. It's just one of those things that I discovered one day. So now that I've foisted it on you guys, before I talk too much about it, uh, Dingus, why don't you go first? Because you were someone I specifically had in mind as, as a guy who should see this. How did this work for you? What did you think of it? Oh, I'm crazy about it. I mean, I, I, you, I think you just brought up uh, a separation, and, I, and uh, it exists in that same wheelhouse for me. I, I love this movie, mm-hmm. and... Uh, and I'm I I can't believe I'd never heard of it before because now when I've gone to look up what it's what the deal is with it, um, Ebert puts it on his top ten films of that decade, mm. and I don't remember hearing a thing about it. And 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 I wasn't just being coy or or or, or trying to be obvious with the um, the non synopsis I gave. I really think it's it's a wonderful movie that unfolds as it goes and you don't know is this going to be about revenge i mean it's just got this great tension about it um not the least of which because of how it's shot i'm crazy about this movie okay good kelly wand now your turn to weigh in i foisted this off on you uh what did you think of me getting you to sit through the sun um it made me wonder why dingus doesn't like the artist because it's the story told through body language just like this ah uh, well, and it reminded me of Fish Tank, which we all liked, because it's like the same character's point of view the whole movie. 
kind of third person. Uh, it just seemed weird that he would like Fish Tank and not... Oh, wait, he did like The Sun, so nothing's weird. <laughs> oh, no, the artist. That's the weird one. Well, the tones are so different as far sure. as like what the artist is getting at, what the artist is an homage to. Uh, so I, I don't want to call him to task for that, but I do appreciate your observation about how much... Uh, do you have, are you killing, a, are you strangling a bird at your house? <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> that was, hey. that was a euphemism, by the way. I didn't mean literally. Hey, honey, there was a, there was a rabbit. It <laughs> was a rabbit. That was nice. I guess. <laughs> I want to, can I just make it clear? I didn't not like the artist. I just, right. I think it's overrated and I think it's a bobble and I think people will think it's overrated later. I think there are better movies on this subject and. It's not that I didn't like it. I, I enjoyed it, but it was kind of like whatever for me. But I do think Kelly Wan's point, though, about how the sun relies so heavily on body language uh, and the two actors specifically. I mean, it's basically an, a movie with three actors, uh, but it's two pivotal roles. Their, their body language is just fascinating. A lot of the movie is nonverbal. A lot of the movie, you aren't looking at the main character's face. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that choice of camera work in a minute. But body language is so important, even like when you can't see the way that, that you, when you can't even see a character's eyes. And so much of that is crucial and just captured. It, it's, an ama- it's breathtaking how well that's captured in, in this movie. Uh, th- things that are unspoken. Uh, and like you mentioned, Dingus, I love the fact that we go for so long without being sure why people are acting the way they're acting. Uh, you know, the first, and when I first talked to you guys, when I first mentioned The Sun a while ago, I think I had only watched the first part of it and I'd lost patience with it and turned it off for the night. Um, but the first half hour of that movie, there's this odd sensation of why is this guy so furtive and what, what is going on and why would somebody for Pete's sake already tell me something? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you feel like you're shut out. And, and in a way, it's not. It's not tantalizing. It can get. It almost feels a little tedious and like, why am I watching this? And I think the first like thirty minutes are kind of challenging in that way. Um, but and I would you go. Oh, it's modernism. You go. It's like you blow up. It's like something not happening for a long time, and you're waiting for it to not happen. It, but there. But it's not this kind of like empty existential, aimless modernism. I mean, no, there's no. clearly an agenda at work. Like he's clearly bugged about something. You know, you don't know, is, is he is he just schizophrenic? Uh, you, you know, is this someone having an affair with his wife? Or I mean, there's clearly like a central important event that we are not privy to for so long in the movie. It's like Babel, because Babel, you didn't know how the storylines converge. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know what? That's a very, yeah, I, that's a good comparison, too. Right, exactly. Uh, and, and one of the things I do love about it, too, and this happens twice, is how abruptly important pieces of information are blurted out <laughs> with no preparation. You know, the, I mean, you know, we're we're talking about it. I'm assuming you've seen it, but the reveal that they're, that the boy killed their son, and at the end, when he says to the boy, "You killed my son," when both yeah. of those pieces of information come out, it is just without any sort of preparation. Uh, and I and there's no music to let us know uh, something important's about to happen. There's no music and no camera work because they're just long shots, you, you know, and the, the shots never change up. The camera's got this not quite fly on the wall because it, it's almost attached to the back of uh, Olivier Gourmet's neck through most of the movie. I mean, you see so much of the back of his ears and his neck uh, so that none, yeah. of the, none of the conventional cinematic cues are in there for when things are going to happen. Which, uh, which, But I, you know there's a cameraman shooting this. So you're like, 
Well, they made a cameraman film this all day, so something mm-hmm. has to happen eventually. God, there's some of those moments. I just wonder how they did that. Because that yeah, camera is so uncomfortably close in such a great way, especially in the car when that kid climbs yes. into the back seat. And how do you do that? How did you do that and make it seem so, it's still so close and intimate? Oh, I love that. When I saw that scene, Dingus, I was thinking of the uh, the crazy CG fake car scene they do in Children of Men. Where <laughs> they had constructed a whole new car to do that and moving seats. You know, when, uh, when the boy climbs in the back seat in the sun, the second time I saw it, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> he had to squeeze past the camera, man. There's three people sitting there. How did they yeah. do that? <laughs> What's the key card guy? There's one moment where where the boy passes in front of the camera where you could have faked a cut, but it doesn't feel like that's what happens. Yeah. It's like you must have folded the seat, climbed in front of it, and then folded back the seat as a cameraman. How'd you do that? I love that so much. And and what's so beautiful about it too is that it then I mean all the heavy lifting is done just by these two actors and how they interact yeah. with each other. Yeah. You can't edit around the stuff. You can't fake it. You can't use different takes. It, it's, it's, and I usually hate saying this, but it's kind of like a stage play in its immediacy. And uh, in, in as far as you know, but you're it's full watching. of motion. It's full of motion, yeah. And, well, that's the thing about the camera work that I love. And I want to mention another movie in a second. But the camera, in a way, is a full participant, and it's... Yeah. I, I don't know how arty and French, or excuse me, Belgian to get with this, but there's almost this sense of it is Olivier watching himself. Like his life is almost this vaguely out-of-body experience as he's trying to recover from this grief and this shock and how to internalize it, like how to deal with it, because he's not a very expressive fellow. So it's almost like the movie is saying, hey, here's a guy living outside of his own skin, basically watching himself go through the motions. And if you watch some of the camera work, I think that's kind of what they're in tune to. There's there's an early part where, uh, and again, you're just dropped into the middle of the movie after he's just gotten information about the boy's name. And, uh, you know, the saw goes wrong, and there's that great sound design with the hammering beating away at him, and then the, mm-hmm. that dissonance of the saw. And then he goes, you know, after he takes care of that, he goes back and he picks up that folder and looks at it, and the camera knows to... to uh, not cut because it doesn't cut, but to pan down to the folder. I mean, it knows when to look at different things, and I think there are reasons why it looks at different things. You know, this folder, he's putting his attention back to it, and the camera goes with him. And there's so many moments like that where it's important that the camera moves at a certain point at a certain time. Uh, you just made me think of, um, oh, damn, I'm blanking on the title, the, the Lars von Trier movie I like so much. Uh, Melancholia or Antichrist? Stop it. <laughs> uh, well, Dancer in the Dark. Thank you, Dancer in yeah. the Dark. Just the way the camera moves yes. along with her in that. Well, it's this whole thing, like, I, I don't know if it's dogma, but, but you know, it's, it's directors struggling with how to make good use of handheld cameras. And I see somebody like Woody Allen just screw it up all the time, and it drives me crazy. But you see people like Lars von Trier and certainly the... I don't know if I said that right, Brothers, uh, with The Sun, where the camera is such an integral part of the storytelling. Uh, And so the other movie I want to mention, which I've mentioned a couple of times, uh, there's a a young filmmaker uh, from Alabama, of all places, named Adam Wingard. Um, And he made a movie called, I'm going to screw it up, it's either A Horrible Way to Die or A Terrible Way to Die. I think it's called A Horrible Way to Die. Uh, and the camera work is such, it, it's this handheld stuff, but like the sun, it's such an important part of the action and the main character's state of mind. Uh, you know, the camera as a point of view is, is character work, uh, and the sun does that 
just so incredibly well. So, I'm also fascinated by uh, carpentry because I'm really I'm an idiot. And I don't know anything about it. Uh-huh. So just the language of it's interesting to me, and I'm always interested in like pe- when people talk about their work in movies. And so everything he's saying to the kid is yeah. like inherently interesting. <laughs> now unfold it. Now fold it. I'm trying well, to figure it, out why they're doing stuff. And it's it's like watching it's like that uh, that uh, three by three I did about non faked physical bits. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like watching people who are good at something do something. You know, whether it's Richard Roxburgh and Sanctum coiling up that rope, which is what made me think of it, or in this Oliver uh, Olivier Gourmet obviously like studied or at least read up enough on to fake carpentry, but to watch him hammering things, to see that place where his thumb was bruised even. Yeah. yeah. I loved that stuff. Uh, And and so did my cat. (laughs) I love that thumb bruise. That thumb bruise was one of my favorite things. And and then realizing, oh, what they're doing is building his toolbox. Yes, yes. And that's why he's staying late and everybody else is leaving. I, I didn't understand that was what was going on until they were tacking on the strip. Uh, and, and even just uh, the the way, you know, the, the dynamic that develops between them, like the the way the boy would look at him and, and try to learn things, uh, just, just watching watching him be obviously knowledgeable about this and, and conveying it to this boy who was like curious to know it. I mean, it was this incredibly beautiful relationship with this really dark, weird subtext. Yeah. Um, but there's also something heartwarming about it. It's a weird feel good movie. You know what? Is it <laughs> Kelly Wand? Is it, it was to me. I went, nah, <laughs> I, you know, I saw where he was coming from. He had the moment he made his decision. And it also, uh, it makes these moments, these small moments of cruelty, like when he's asleep and he, and he hits the brakes and says it was a rabbit to wake him up, when he refuses to pay for his little apple turnover, uh, when he doesn't, there's a point, I think, where uh, the boy reaches out to shake his hand, getting out of the car, and he doesn't, I, I mean, those little moments of cruelty are, are just really powerful for tiny moments like that. He's just brusque, too, in person, but then he's super concerned uh, when, the, when the kid seems to kind of break down that way. Right. You say he's brusque in person, Kelly Wan, but one of the things I like about the movie is we don't know anything about uh, Olivier and how he has been dealing with this up until he sees the kid's name in the folder. Everything we see about him is after this bit of news has hit him and he's dealing with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love that. Like, he hasn't seen his wife in a long time. Her reaction to him uh, isn't isn't like, you're, you're acting weird, you're acting strange. I mean... It, it's like everything we know about him is just in relation to this one event. And the movie never tells us things like, you know, his back being hurt. Was that some incident in terms of dealing with the death of his son? Uh, you know, is did that precipitate his divorce from, from the woman? Like, I love how close it plays it to the vest in terms of giving us backstory and information. It, the movie is so completely present and in, in just immediate moments uh, mm-hmm. that we don't know if he's always brusque. Um to me, it no. just feels like him being loyal to his anger. I mean, that just feels... Mm. Yep. And, and and it also feels like a prison mm. movie to me in some ways when he's, like, doing sit-ups in his little room and all that stuff at the beginning with the lockers. I just Again, I didn't know what I was watching, and I thought, are we in a prison? Where are we? <laughs> he works in a prison. It's a rehab prison, right? Well, it's, a, it's, it's I looked up a couple of things. Uh, 
fair point fair point i don't know whatever is an actual it's a town in belgium and there is a, a sort of a renowned juvenile detention center there uh, like a, a kid's prison so uh that's of course and you can tell that from the the boy talking about fair point but i think where he worked was a kind of a a trade school to teach troubled kids because he has the one kid who he goes to see whose mother seems like to be a junkie it's like a place to get troubled kids involved in a trade Right. Um, so I don't think it's a prison. Like the kids, you, you know, the the boy had his own apartment where where uh, Olivier goes. Um, so I don't think they're necessarily under any sort of like uh, probation or detention um, or anything like that. Um, but I do think it's definitely like a place for troubled kids. Um, they were all sullen too. Like they all look. Yeah. yeah, like cowed. Yeah, like definitely like sullen and cowed. And used to being told what to do. Yes, yes, by authority exactly. figures. Right, right. But they all had different looks. Like they all had their own story. Like, like none of them. Like that kid could have been any of them. You know what? None yeah, of them why, looked similar. None of and I love. I just That's love this about like foreign movies too. Like none of them are like pretty boy actors and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love seeing real people in movies. That's just it's so yeah. rare. <laughs> and an American movie, like it, this is a good movie to watch and like try and find the ways an American remake would fuck <laughs> it up. Like, <laughs> all right. The kid would be more lovable and like have more. He'd cry and have remorse more. Like not go. Oh, I need more tuna or something. <laughs> How long you think it is from this thing to that thing? Yeah, you're pretty good. All right, whatever. God, and that was a great moment too. I mean, yeah. actually, you know what, Kelly? When you talk about heartwarming relationships, yeah. When uh, just that little moment where Olivier is guessing distances and that that kid. <laughs> that's just. Yeah. I loved that. What a great sort of mentor student. Yeah scene that was father son and that's the, kind of their first nice moment too like up till then it's, he's been really curt and terse with him but it's like well that's he the, there, didn't he that's that's like in the buddy movie where the the two characters learn to get along like in the american movie that's where the music would kick in the little sweet soundtrack yeah it is a buddy movie in a way you know what? I agree. Yeah. You know, okay, so let's talk, Kelly Wan, because you uh, sometimes hate abrupt endings. <laughs> How did you feel uh, about the ending of The Sun? It was awesome, because it ended, if you watch the last few seconds, you do have a, a suspicion of how it's going to shake out. Looks like, they've, like they're driving back together. Ah, damn, bleep me. No, no. What, what are you talking about? We're, we're we are now talking with the assumption that people listening have seen the movie. <laughs> they never do. Uh, Dingus, how did you feel about it? We've talked about like some of these abrupt endings, some of which we think cop out, some of which we think are perfect. We've disagreed uh, in certain movies. How this did one you feel? Was perfect is my rule. Okay, so Kelly Wan rules perfect. Dingus, how did it work for you? Oh, I, I agree with Kelly. I, I think you have every uh, bit of information you need to know about these characters. Uh, right before the movie ends. Yeah, and I, I love, and I agree with you guys. Like, I love though how there is, and this happens frequently in the movie, and I think the movie isn't willing to let go of it. But there are hints of malevolence, uh, like when Olivier breaks out the knife to cut the strap for the boy's tool uh, box, uh, when he's packing up rope and a tarp. Like oh God! That. When he was doing that, I was just thinking, yep. "Are we going into revenge territory?" And Absolutely. when he's driving forever, and he goes, "I missed it." Oh, good God! I know, and yeah. then I, you're totally thinking, you know, are we watching like a, an in the bedroom kind of movie? Uh, right. And so the you fact you don't know, you don't know, and I I think that 
like I don't think it's a pat resolution like a happily ever lived happily ever after or necessarily even a happy ending. And I don't think it's bleak. I think you're right. We know everything we need to know. But you, you know the fact that it ends with Olivier sort of using this rope to lash up this bundle of lun- lumber. I mean, there's still something oddly malevolent about just ending on that note. You know, uh, instead of wrapping up a body, he's wrapping up lumber, and he's not. You know, he doesn't smile and break down. Uh, and there's kids no, helping him. The kid's helping him, and the kid is not afraid to come near him at that right. point. Uh, right. So you you get this sense that it's certainly not over between them and the friction, but they're they're kind of resigned to being with each other and and the yeah. information. Like I think the tension about the movie is when is are they each going to know the, this information and how are they going to react. Uh, and that's what we find out. That's what we get from, from watching the movie. And we, but, the movie ends when they both have made that decision, like how they're going to react, yep. behave around the other person. Yep. It's but, a climax. But I think we also know as much as Olivier knows. Yes, absolutely. You know, uh-huh. he, it, he might go somewhere else. We don't know, but we, at this moment, we know as much as he knows. Yep. Um, you know, even when he says something about uh, to his wife of, why are you doing this? I don't oh, know. Yes, yes. Uh, I think we always know as much that. as he knows. In that last moment, we know as much as he knows what's going to happen next. And I also like the, I don't know if it's a translation thing, but if I recall correctly, the line is, why would anybody do this? Yeah, and no one. He says, I don't, yeah, 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 or something like that. It's not, why are you doing this? It's like, why yeah. on earth would this ever be done? You know, in the cosmic order of things, this makes no sense. And yeah, his response <laughs> is, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I just love the phrase. And the filmmakers said that, too. Like, they, they said they felt, they agreed with them. What? What? Yeah. What, have you been like watching interviews or something, Kelly Wand? I think I Wikipedia did it because I was oh. curious about the martyr guy too. So I was kind of like, oh, yeah. Wait. So <laughs> what do you mean? Did the filmmakers say? They said they didn't know why he was doing it. The same way Francis Ford Coppola doesn't know where the bug is in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's there. But you know what? I think personally, like. My gut instinct was that they were over the hump. And the ambiguous endings are the ones where it could be 50-50. I hate, like, where it, it at least can be 51-49. Sort of <laughs> and I think this was, like, 68, uh, 30, whatever the fuck. Right. Two. I figured it out. I could do basic math. I'm so so it's bad. It's a mathematical proposition. Nothing else. Yeah. Uh, Dingus, uh, did this remind you of Boy A at all? Uh, now that you say that, Yes. Uh, has either of you seen, uh, I think it's called Rabbit Hole, the thing with Nicole Kidman and uh, Aaron Eckhart? I no, have it. scared me away from it. Yeah, so Rabbit Hole is yeah. like the worst-case awful scenario. Rabbit Hole is the American version of this movie. Oh, it's, yeah. And it's terrible. It's just wretched. Um, they over-talk it. That's, see, American... Uh, yeah, that's what, so that's, far ahead of us. That, that, rehab, that rehab woman scene is so perfect. You don't have any idea what's going on. He just barges into this thing, throws a dad against the wall, and leaves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's we, not a physical man, either. Oh, he is. He's totally a physical man. He he leaps up on a cabinet to, to, to eavesdrop, and he jumps up on those piles of wood, and he keeps himself in shape. I think what Kelly meant to say is he's not an action hero. Right. <laughs> I was thinking about the American version again, sorry. Like Avatar. But he's definitely, and it it really is this that you know I like just just watching him like like wiping out the Tupperware bowl like he's just a fascinating actor to watch. I mean, it makes me want to see other things that this guy has been in. Uh, 
And and how is like his eyes behind those thick glasses? How they would sometimes sort of like bug and bulge out. Like what? A, what an awesome character. He was like Gary Oldman and Tinker Taylor. Uh, uh I mean, glasses wise. Okay, you know maybe I'll give you that one. He I, I also loved his teeth. I didn't notice his teeth. What was the deal with his teeth? He just has these big old chompers when he's eating that sandwich. You know. <laughs> The kid says, can I lean on your car? And he's just, like, chomping on these big old teeth. My, what big teeth you have. Right. Uh, and uh, what did you think, since I know this is something you normally pay attention to, what did you think of the soundtrack? Um, I loved how orchestral it was, <laughs> and that it was a lot of found footage soundtrack music. That's right. not, if it's soundtrack, it's not footage. It's, like, Oops. found music. Uh yeah, it's a, it, and again, that's you can't do that in America. You know, only Belgian movies can get away with having no music. Only Belgian movies and No Country for Old Men can get away with having no music. But the oh. artist has only music, and Americans love it. So, and it's also a French movie, isn't it? I thought it was Belgian. That's Hercule Poiret that you're thinking of. Oh, wait, it's Belgian toast and French waffle, right? Really? Ah, the pity. Well, I felt pity in it. I, I'm just glad you guys finally saw this. Uh, I thought it was a so, great movie. Thank you for making me see it. Good, good. Uh, the other one I could have made you see, I might still make you see. We'll, we'll, it was also cool coming off of Martyrs, which you steered me towards. So then I go, oh, Tom's next pick will be even more. But I forgot you. Horrific. Signed it to Dingus. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I go, well, that's oh. what I was worried when I hear that, that saw noise at the beginning. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Someone's going to get his head put through that. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, Dingus, I still, I don't know if we've said this publicly on the podcast. Uh, I do not encourage you to watch Martyrs. That's not for you, Dingus. Yeah. Stay away from it. I told uh, to avoid inside, too, and I ended up liking that. So, yeah. Well, yeah, but I'm not sure you were ready for that. I feel like maybe you needed to get a few more horror movies under your belt before you should have seen that. I'm glad you saw it, though. Watching yeah. Martyrs makes you feel like the Human Centipede 2 protagonist. <laughs> it, you should have saved that as the tagline for the Martyrs podcast. Oh, we doing one? <laughs> maybe. Right now. Uh, but let's do a 3x3 three three instead. Kelly Wan, this is your 3x3. Three three. What do you got for us? <laughs> Uh, three best fat kids in movies. All right, so uh, Kelly Wand, would you like to tell us what inspired this 3x3? Three three? Or, or you know what, actually, will we find out in the course of your picks? Yeah, because my number one inspired it, because I was watching a movie and going, dude, seriously, fat kid. Okay, well, don't tell us, because that would be a spoiler. So uh, then let's just... <laughs> let's just it's go a to spoiler. Yeah, hang, hang in there, Thanks. save it. Uh, let's just then go to uh, Dingus, who is introducing next week's 3x3. Three for his pick. Dingus, what is the number three best fat kid in all of moviedom? Uh, you thought we got flamed over the last week's topic. Wait all the fatties. All right, my number three. Here's a quote from it. Mm. I'm, I'm not fat. Um, no fat person says that when they're a kid. Age. So it's spoken ironically, I'm assuming. So I don't know. I don't. I, it's, it doesn't continue. I'm just big boned or something. You no, no. Sense. But 
But the response is, well, not at present, but I can see you really pushing maximum density. When Harry met Sally. No. Oh, uh, it sounds like something that Billy Crystal would have yeah, said. Yeah, it kind of uh, does. Yeah. I, so. <laughs> I thought that was right, and I was bummed in advance. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Dingus, we don't know it. What is it? You've, you've, you've beaten us. All right, the, the fat kid in question is, um, is Claire Standish. And uh, Claire, as you all know, is a fat, fat girl's name. But it's actually a family name. And he said, no, it's a fat girl's name. And she says, I'm not fat. Because at that point, she's not fat. You know what it but still sounds like when Harry met Sally? It's not when Harry met Sally. This is but, a terrible choice. But someday fat. she's going to be fat. Uh, and so... Okay. Well, not a choice, kid, then, is she? She's a yeah. grown, she's a fat adult. Well, you know what, Kelly-Wan, this could be a time travel movie. I can't believe Dingus is tomming me on my last night in America. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't, do you know what his pick is, what he's talking about? Yeah. I think what? he's insane. I what think else? Dingus, you wouldn't I even try something this retarded. I haven't seen this movie. What is it, Dingus? It's Breakfast The Breakfast Club. Club. Yeah, whatever. Yep, whatever. Let's move on. No, no. Continue pontificating about Molly Ringwald being fat someday after she ages. My choice is not Molly Ringwald. It's it's the inner fat person inside of Claire Standish that, um, that uh, Judd Nelson can clearly see. Because, you know, there are two kinds of fat people. There are people who are born to be fat, and then there are uh, thin people, uh, people who were once thin and became fat. And he can tell that after she pushes out a few babies, she's going to be fat. But not a kid. See, yeah, I, Kelly Wan, see what, see what happens when people don't yeah, take the topic seriously? You see? This is, this is the laziest <laughs> I've ever seen things. And in fact, when I write it up on the internet, I'm just going to say Molly Ringwald Breakfast Club and, like, enjoy the outpouring. What? She's not, like... Leave Dingus to def- explain what he just did <laughs> to the uh, peanut gallery who doesn't listen. That goes what? <laughs> All right, well, uh, so Dingus, your number three is Molly Ringwald as an adult in breakfast, grown up in Breakfast Club. All right, no, it's her inner fat, no. inner fat kid. Right, and right. I'll have, you know what? I'll write it. His real explanation's more insane. <laughs> did you hear that? All right, so then uh, my number three. Let me see if I can top this. Uh, what order do I want to do? Off to a roaring start so far. I'm really excited. My number three is oh, I'll go ahead and do. Okay, have you not ordered them yet? Well, you know what? I not per se. <laughs> Jerk. Wait, raise them by weight class, like they get fat. He's strategizing. Stop it. I was strategizing, but uh, okay, you know what? Then I am going to go by weight class. This kid isn't fat necessarily. He's he's kind of uh, husky. He's more husky, I would say. But you know what? No, I, 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 I'm just trying to be polite. Uh, his, I'm going to give you the character's name and see from that if you guys can tell me the movie. Okay, you ready for this? The character's name is Mike Fagel. Uh, no? Uh, Come on, it's such a prominently used name in the movie. Mike Fagel. <laughs> so uh, he's the kid, he's the bully and the marijuana dealer in A Serious Man. Uh, he's he's just this big old kid, and he's kind of husky, and uh, he's got this great malevolent face. You know, Danny is running from him through most of the movie, and there's even a scene where he literally gets off the bus and has to run from Mike Fagel into his house. Um, but Mike Fagel's face is featured so prominently in that, that movie's final shot. Uh, just him turning around, looking at the camera, and what the camera sees in the background is just like seared in my brain from a serious man. So uh, that's my pick. 
is Mike Fagel, that kid, bully, in a serious man. I don't remember his name being said. Oh, no, they're yeah, he's constantly talking about because he owes $20 to Mike Fagel, and the $20 oh, is in the, the transistor radio, and, and the kids are saying, what are you going to do? And Mike Fagel wants his money. and uh, No, his, his name comes up a few times. It's one of those, <laughs> it's one of those quintessential Coen Brothers movies. Like, they seem to have so much fun with their names. I love that name, Mike Fagel. <laughs> it's a terrible name for a kid, but you know, I'm sure it happens somewhere. It's a terrible name for a kid. <laughs> it's, a right. fat, it's a fat boy's name, like Claire Standish. So, Kelly Wan, what is your number three pick? Uh, Milas isn't that great in Dingus' defense. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, don't look at that. My number three is uh, Chubby from Little Rascals, because there's this one where um, he and another fat kid are in a boxing match over this girl, and she tricked them. Uh, she's a little cock tease, I guess. And... Uh, she had both of them say that the other guy's just going to lay down in the battle. I mean, the boxing match. I see it more as a battle, <laughs> as in a ship. And then uh, they start hitting each other and just going, you lay down. Why don't you lay down? But Chubby's the cuter. He also had the crush on Miss Crabtree. My number three, Chubby. Dingus, go. Is that a TV show? Uh, it's a movie. I mean, it's black and white. All right, so uh, Kelly Wands is uh, a TV show. Dingus, what is your number two pick for favorite fat kid in all of moviedom? It was on TV. That's true. All right, I'm going to give you fellas a quote from my number two. How about that? Awesome. I got a good feeling about this one. If I could only have one food for the rest of my life, that's easy. Pez, cherry-flavored Pez, no question about uh, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was the, is that the one that we all have on our list? No. No. Because then I know what he turns into, and I couldn't keep him on it. Oh, wait a minute. That's I don't know why. what this is. Oh, are you guys doing Jerry O'Connell? Oh, yeah. Oh, not. good Lord. I didn't even know. I don't. I didn't remember him from that. I thought you guys you were doing something else. I guessed the wrong movie. Wait, what do you me. mean you guys? Like, I did it. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm sure we all have my number one. On okay. But, really? but my, my number two, Stand By Me, I love, I, I mean, oh, God, I love this movie so much. And, uh, and I love Vern in this. He, he's, he's such a stupid little kid. Uh, he can't remember the secret knock. He can't remember where he hit his jar of pennies or whatever. And, and yet he sets the plot in motion and then he becomes Jerry O'Connell. I mean, he's just great. He's a great little kid. I love that fat little kid. Man, I don't, I don't, I don't remember that movie much, but, uh, okay. He runs so, from the train, but he's running the slowest because he's the fattest. So uh, I forgot the point. All right, so stand by me. Good, Dingus. I had that as a runner-up, even though I didn't remember the movie. I just keep hearing people give. What did you jer- think it was? Well, uh, there, were two, there were two I could have chosen from that movie, and almost did. There's that, and then there's Lardass from the the uh, the uh, story that Gordy Lachance tells. Was he based on Vern? Did he go? Did did Vern go? Wait, Gordy. Wait a minute. The story's about me. You're saying, basically, I'm fat. No, because I don't. I don't think that. I don't think he's really fat. He's just a chubby little kid. He's not like. He's not huge. Yeah, but you have three friends, and one of them is a little pudgy. And then you write a story about the fattest guy in town making everybody vomit. Like, wouldn't the fat friend go? Uh, you could have written about. The River Phoenix kid making everybody vomit. Well, but the, no. the story adds 10 pounds. <laughs> uh, Dingus, there's a character in Stand By Me named Lardass. Yeah. yeah. Does that make you guys think of another movie? 
This is pretty obscure, but when you say Lardass, isn't there one of the Cheech and Chong movies with Stacy Keach as oh, a... Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I thought I thought you just said one of the Cheech and Chong movies. <laughs> yeah, Stacy Keach is like a cop. Up and in they, smoke. And they get on the radio, and his name, his name is Codename Hardhat, and he keeps saying this is Hardhat, and they're griefing him, saying, Lardass? Lardass? He's like, no, Hardhat. And Cheech and Chong are calling him Lardass. That's where I go when I think of Lardass. That's Sorry. your number two? <laughs> no, because there's no one fat <laughs> in those scenes. Here's my number two. My number two favorite fat kid in all of moviedom. Yeah, you know what? i got to do this one first, just because I know you guys probably all have it on your list. Uh, let me give you a line. It's a wooden pickle. <laughs> what's, uh... what's with you and fucking sandwiches? <laughs> I just love how bad an actor that fat kid is in Bad Santa. Uh, it just yeah. fits so well. Uh, he's just so inept at everything. And he's not like a, a saintly little fat kid you're supposed to like. Like He's really kind of like like weird and awkward. And like I said, he's not even a good actor. And I just love that choice. So uh, did you guys all have that on your list? Mm, I thought yeah, he was too like, obvious. He's okay. my number one, easily. I, I love watching Billy Bob Thornton get exasperated with him and just go off. <laughs> what, what is, what's, what's wrong with you? Dingus, did someone drop you on your head when you were younger? <laughs> How could someone drop me on my head? <laughs> <laughs> Whose head would they drop you on? <laughs> just love watching. I mean, I... It's another of those movies that's hard to turn off once you... I just want to watch a... I just want to see the sandwich scene. Let me see if I can... What, yeah. When does he say the sandwich line? And I can't stop watching the movie. <laughs> Lauren Graham. Damn. That's just because you watch Gilmore Girls all the time, Dingus. What's that? Is that a show? What do you... Uh-huh. Uh, Kelly One, you didn't pick the kid from Bad Santa? Only because... It's too obvious. Uh, that and also, he, in the original script, he didn't, like kick another kid in the nuts and flip him off at the end like the studio made Terry's wig off do that so I always go eh, he shouldn't like I make, I make when I see the kid I go it should have been they should have kept the death scene you don't bit. you don't like the right the mandatory redemption is just not for you yeah right but he is a he is a really great fat kid yeah what, what has that actor gone on choice. to do I don't know it kind of bums me out like is he was in um role. trick he or was, treat wasn't he well, he also played, not many people know this, he played uh, one of the Winklevoss twins in, in the Facebook movie. Very good, very good. <laughs> his, his name is Brett Kelly, and I and I disagree that he's bad. I think he's, he's oh, come appropriately on. vapid. Oh, you know what? Okay, everyone's good. terrible. It, I'll put, what? you know what? I'll take, no, I'll take appropriately vapid. That works. Uh, was he, he was in the Trick or Treat movie, Dingus? Because I've actually seen he this. He is. He's not supposed to be smart, and he's not... That's what sucks about the redemption. It's like, he wouldn't get redeemed. Right. They missed the point of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he so just Kelly- stands there watching Billy Bob Thornton and looking vacant. And to get a child kid, a child actor to do that without overacting, I think that's phenomenal. It's even harder to get a child kid to do that. A child yeah. kid. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Especially I a think fat child kid. Doesn't Billy Bob die in the original script? And then that was the changed ending, too. Dude, John Ritter was that. Our script supervisor here, so you're going to have to tell us that. Oh. Uh, right, didn't so he have a name? Yeah, did he have a name? I remember him telling Billy Bob Thornton his name, and it was something like Norman Jorman or something. And Billy Bob, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but it just says on IMDb, the kid. 
Oh, that's the same character in Unforgiven, who tags along with Clint Eastwood, by the way. It's also that Bruce Willis movie where the plane is Disney or something. I have no idea what that means, but I'll accept uh, that. It's not <laughs> worth pursuing. Kelly Wan, in lieu of pursuing that, why don't you give us your number two pick for the best fat kid in all of TV or moviedom? Spanky. All right, Spanky and Chubby. You yeah, have two are mine a little while. Okay, but my number one's the good one. <laughs> okay. But your number one's first. And so Dingus is number one as Bad Santa. Uh, my number one is uh, Jonah Hill and Superbad. Mm. Now, are, are, we, are we going to, uh, yeah, because he's a, he's a kid still. He's fat. It's like great, it's vintage fat Jonah Hill. Uh, and I, I just love that movie so much. So there you go. There's my number one pick. So, Kelly Wan, we're over to you. Who is your favorite fat kid in all of moviedom or TVdom? Engelberg, obviously. Engelbert Humperdinck? Oh. I don't know. Who. I keep forgetting you guys are done, didn't see the Bad News Bears because you're racist. But, uh, yeah, embarrassed. But what I does remember- Linda think about that choice? Uh, she pointed, She's all, he's the greatest fat kid, obviously. Like like angry it wasn't. No, she just said bad Santa. She just said bad Santa. I heard. Yeah, it. nice work, like, Kelly. No, forget she all that. She with me. Uh huh. All right. So any runners up for best fat kids in all of cinema? Wait, I was I, just gonna say. Oh yeah. The Vangelberg. Mm-hmm. The first one he's not in is one where they go to Japan, and it, I remember thinking that one's really boring, and I couldn't figure out why until I realized, oh, it's because Engelberg's not in it. He's like the most colorful. One. So you would say he's the emotional core of the Bad News Bears? Yeah. All right. He's the heart. He's the dingus. Like, dingus makes us kind of cry. Like, oh, we hope dingus gets saved from the burning building. Can I be the Jackie Earl, Earl Haley, or is that you? Do I have to be the Walter Matthau? Uh, I guess he was the fat kid, too. Uh, so my only runner-up was Jerry O'Connell, because I seem to recall hearing that he was once a fat kid, but you guys have that covered in Dingus's number two pick. Any other runners-up for great fat kids in moviedom? I had a runner-up. Yeah? Uh, the kid from Up was a cool fat kid. See? Linda proves. Yeah, I was close on that one, but I, I went with Claire instead. Yeah. All right. Good. My other runner-up was uh, was Private Leonard Gomer Pyle Lawrence. Because they send kids. Those those guys that they send to Vietnam are just kids. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio way too old at that point. Sorry, Dingus, we can't accept that answer. Oh, Still better than Molly Ringwald. <laughs> uh, all right, so what are we doing for a 3x3 three three next week, Dingus? What do you got for us? All right, so next week, uh, one of my favorite little moments in the movie Stand By Me um, is... Uh, did you just grunt? I'm sorry. Is um, is when the narrator is right. The narrator says this. I've never spoken or written about it until just now, and it's a moment where where Gordy, who becomes the the writer that is writing the movie or writing the story, uh, when Gordy is sitting there and his friends are all still asleep when they're camping on their way to their on on their adventure, and he's just sitting there next to the train tracks, and this deer comes out there and looks at him and he's just sitting there and he's this kid sitting there in front of this deer and it's this great moment with an animal just out of nowhere it doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the movie but it's an important moment in this character's life so we've already had tom's uh excellent category of um awesomest pets and this is so this one is just 
um, your your favorite animal moments. And it, it's not pets, though. No pets. Uh, this is just your favorite animal moments. Non-pet. Non-pet animal moments. Was E.T. a pet? <laughs> All right, so non-pet animal moments. We will do that in next week's 3 by 3 We will also uh, be seeing... Oh, Kelly Wan, let me just... Check out your chest. Uh, check out your test. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't taint that sexy line by the hot girl with your. Why do you go hot. across the hood like that? <laughs> it is kind of gross when I do it to you, isn't it, Kelly Wand? I feel bad. Oh, I have a little thing for that. <laughs> I do too, and especially in that scene, it's no. adorable. No, I had a thing for her first. Get your you own. Like, uh... No, you did actually tell me her name, and you're, you're the one that got me to watch Ellie Klemper. Kemper. Kemper. Kemper, yeah, she's really adorable, and I just love that that line delivery in the trailer, which I don't normally watch trailers, but I can't get enough of the 21 Jump Street trailer, so next week, I hope it's not awful, but let's go see 21 Jump Street, and mm. then discuss our favorite animal moments uh, for the 3v3. Uh, Is she in the movie that much? I think it's that one line. You know what? We don't know. We'll find out. That'll be a pleasant surprise for us to discover. It's one it? line a movie, I've noticed. She's in Bridesmaids for half a second. Yeah, but part of those, that half a second is making out with another chick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, All right, so we will do that. Uh, join us for that next week. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian uh, Mer- Mer- Merang, I think. It's Christian Morosky. And Kelly Wand. Hey, I came up with a word for when you dry things in the iron. No, wait. When you iron things in the dryer. Dryerning. Everybody cares. Everybody understands. Yes, everybody cares about you. Yeah, and whether or not you want them to, it's a chemical embrace that kicks you in the head. To a pure synthetic sympathy that infuriates you totally, and a quiet lie that makes you want to scream and shout. So here I lay dreaming also, uh, I didn't pick Chunk because I think he's overrated. Would you consider oh, being my guardian? <laughs>